Never Feed Us After Midnight. It's the Harmless Entertainment Monthly Movie. Everyone, this is Thoreau Smiley, and this podcast is how I found out Santa isn't real. Who's joining me today? I'm Josh Cece, and fantastic ideas for a fantastic world. I make the illogical logical. I'm Brian Lesh. I think it's some sort of Chinese word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm screechy voiced little glue sniffer, Alaric Weber. <laughs> that's how I just that's how I introduce you. <laughs> yeah. The only accurate is, word is little. <laughs> eel eological. I just kept the like eels. I know. Eels are not logical. Yep. They're not. <laughs> Think about it. They get enough of them together though. <laughs> and they can put out a Christmas song. <laughs> Logically. <laughs> Uh, this is the Harmless Entertainment Monthly Movie. It's the patron-only podcast where normally what we do is we pick a random year, nominate four movies, you vote on which one we watch, then we do a deep dive, tell you about the background, the production, go through the whole movie scene by scene, the whole far- harmless uh, phosphorescence deal. This month, though, we decided to nominate Christmas movies. We were originally going to do this in June, but we thought, well, you know what? This seems like a better time. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the movies we nominated for this month of December uh, was Ernest Saves Christmas, Gremlins, Die Hard, and Krampus. And the movie that you chose was Gremlins. Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. Billy Pelser has a nice home. Billy, is that you? Yeah, Ma, it's me. A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving parents who are about to give him... You're going to like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're going to have to open it now. It won't wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift he ever got. What is it? No. It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do, they change. Rafe. They become clever. Mischievous. What's going on here? And dangerous. Gremlins, eh? Little monsters. Right. Hundreds of them. Well, I, I don't know, maybe thousands. They've been here too. Billy, what are these things? Where did they come from? Look, I know it sounds crazy, I know. But in a few hours, you're gonna have a major disaster on your hands. Directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting you. I bet it was Oh, it was, uh, I'd have to look it up, but it was a lot. Like Gremlins, Gremlins came in by a mile. 
Yeah. Landslide. Die Hard was number two, but it was, I think it was like Gremlins had like 45% and Die Hard was at like 25%. Uh, I watched Die Hard anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so take that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gremlins uh, was released uh, June 8th, 1984. It has a running June. Time. June. Yeah. Yeah. June. <laughs> this was a summer movie. Huh. Um, 1984. Uh, it ran 106 minutes. It cost 11 million dollars to make, and it took in 212 million at the box office. That's in 1984 money. Yeah. So big, big Steven Spielberg presents hit on on their hands there. Um, that means yeah, he's the first name we see, right? Oh yeah, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Steven P- Spielberg presents. And then everything else. Yeah, and yeah. then Gremlins. Yeah. Well, that's you know he did. That's very common, you know, for him. Poltergeist, Goonies. Um, a lot of these were his ideas, but he's like, I, I'm. I don't have time for this little thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. So, guys, I think it's time we play the box office top ten. Yeah. What year? I'm sorry. Eighty four. Eighty four. June eighty right. four. Uh, June 8th, 1984, to be exact. Um, so, guys, this is the game. I was seven. Um, yeah, yeah, I would have been eight. Um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so right. take that, That's Josh. Right. <laughs> uh, um, I was a twinkle in someone's eye. Yeah. I believe at this point, Thoreau, you were still seven. Oh, you're right. Yeah, uh, my birthday's in August. August. Yeah. Oh, um, damn it, Josh. You this win this came, round. This came out uh, my birth month. Um and um, I remember watching it right before uh, we came to Arizona, basically. Oh, wow. Uh, this, this was, this was a, a few months before we moved to Arizona. Um, but that's where this sticks in, in my personal history. Um, we had the, uh, I think it was McDonald's. They had um, like uh, story discs. Oh, uh-huh. Story records. Oh. Um, like different uh, chapters, and <laughs> this st- really sticks in my mind. Uh, we left one of them in the back window of the car, and it melted um, from the sun uh, somewhere <laughs> in Oklahoma. Uh-huh. So I had, um, but yeah, I had those little. Um, it was like the little, those little like plastic record players. Um, oh. and you, you remember how you could get like a storybook with like the, the record in the storybook so you could listen to it and then like, yeah, floppy exactly one. yeah, yeah. I, I had a gremlins, one of those. I, the only, I remember three gremlins, temple of doom and, um, um, uh, rescuers it would have been rescuers, not, not down under. I don't think just down under is out yeah, yet. Yeah. Just regular. I think it was regular rescuers. One of my favorites I ever had, I got in a bloom County book. Um, the one that was called Billy and the Boingers Bootleg, where yeah. Bill the Cat had a band, and so it was two original songs. One was "I Stink," "You Stink," but I love you, <laughs> and like Boingers Bangers or something. They were hilarious, and I loved them. <laughs> uh, Burke Breathed. I still have it. <laughs> um. So, all right. So this is the game, the uh, box office top ten, where uh, the guys are going to guess where they think Gremlins opened in the top 10 of the week. And then uh, they're going to try to guess each movie as I count down the top 10 
and describe it to them using only the box office mojo descriptions. So, uh, let's see. Josh, you won the uh, Christmas movie uh, uh, poll, so why don't you go first? Where do you think Gremlins opened? All right. You know, sometimes I try to spread it out to give everybody else a guess, but those numbers, man, it's got to be number one. Josh goes number one. All right. Uh, head on over. Brian, what do you think? Number three? Brian goes three. Al? Um, I'm pretty sure this also came out around the same time as Ghostbusters. Um, so I'll just fill in that number two slot. Al takes number two. All right. One, two, and three. So <laughs> here we go. We're jumping in. This is the box office top 10. Number 10 for uh, the week of June 8th, 1984. A group of good-hearted but incompetent misfits enter a school for law enforcement, but the instructors there are not going to put up with their pranks. Police Academy. <laughs> police Academy. Yeah. Uh, police Academy. Uh, that's uh, one point for each of you. That was, that was my terrible... <laughs> the guy that makes the sounds. All right. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Michael Winslow. Yeah, Michael Winslow. Um, coming in at number nine. Oh my god, this fucking movie! I had this. I remember watching this on VHS. This is a weird movie. Um, a mercenary is hired to rescue his ex-girlfriend, a singer who has been kidnapped by a motorcycle gang. <laughs> Toxie too. No Toxie too. <laughs> no, uh, you lose your points now, Josh. <laughs> for, right. for being so flippant with this game. <laughs> fair. That's fair. <laughs> Any other guesses? Brian, Al? No. Yeah, no idea. No, Motorcycle game. This is Streets of Fire. Oh, I've heard of it. Um, I've seen it. So, huh. all right. So, uh, <laughs> tangent time. Um, Streets of Fire is basically a musical. Um huh. Uh, they 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 sing uh, often in it. It was a uh, the music was all written by Jim Steinman, the guy who wrote Total Eclipse of the Heart. Jesus. And all of Meatloaf's music, Bad Out of Hell, all of that stuff. Um, so uh, <laughs> Meatloaf, yeah, Mr. Loaf. sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Jim Steinman got his start. <laughs> Uh, doing, um, he he majored in uh, musical theater uh, in the '60s, and his very first uh, music was uh, it was called something like like the like the Dream Machine, something like that. It was about a post-apocalyptic future where youth had to take over um, from an authoritarian regime through the power of music, of rock and roll. Uh, but Tommy. <laughs> Yeah, he grew up in the 60s. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> no, Tommy. That, that, that was that was like, he put that on while he was in college. Um, but the uh, the the big uh, triumphant number at the end is called Bright Eyes, and it's just total eclipse of the heart. Because <laughs> like he's just singing, turn around, bright eyes. Um, oh, God, that sounds awful. And he then, he then used that same tune. Um, in three different movie soundtracks, including this one, um, before actually like turning it into Total Eclipse of the Heart. 
So those came before Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yeah. Total Eclipse. Oh. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. That's more interesting that way. Yeah. So he just. Yeah, it's been a, an unconventional way to write a song, one yeah. movie at a time. Well, yeah, but he, <laughs> he, you he, he kept using the same song over and over again <laughs> until he. Workshopping could... it on the big screen. And he ended a total eclipse of the heart. Yeah. I mean, it's a great, ki- catchy, hooking verb or like phrase, but it the gets, rest of the song is. It gets stuck in my head awful. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I literally I sing it at work all the time. Which for no reason. Yeah, because it just gets stuck in your head. Um, yeah, like people's names fit it and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just turn to Jude and start singing <laughs> to him because like, I, I know it's going to get stuck in his head too. And he's just like, God <laughs> damn it, Dad. It's intergenerational. Yeah. Uh, coming in. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> turn around. <laughs> Coming in at number eight uh, for the week of June 8th, 1984, a struggling young jazz dancer meets up with two break dancers. Together, they become the sensation of the street crowds. Beat Street? No. I'm breaking. Breaking, yes. Wow. The original Breakin. Josh is, uh, for taking this seriously, you get seven points. <laughs> it's all about attitude, mister. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be one of the two. Sass it up. Uh, yeah, breaking. Wow. Um, this this week's top ten is crazy, by the way, especially as we get higher up. Um, coming in at number seven. Number seven. Waiting for the box office mojo to load. <laughs> that sounds like a horrible movie. It does. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Um, I kind of went like Rob Schneider there, waiting for the copies. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I promised myself I'd never do a Rob Schneider impression on air. Um, <laughs> number seven, a mousy romance novelist sets off for Columbia to ransom her kidnapped sister oh. and soon finds herself in the middle of a dangerous adventure hunting for treasure with a mercenary rogue. Romancing, Romancing the, stone. the stone. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, everybody, uh, yeah. everybody gets that. Oh my god! Everybody gets a stone. Everybody, yeah, everybody <laughs> gets a, uh, a uh, an autographed Michael Douglas eight by ten glossy. That'd be <laughs> sweet. <laughs> yeah, with I was hoping sh- for like a, a, a hug or a kiss for Michael Douglas, but uh, no, an autographed picture. Fantastic. It, it would one hundred percent does the same same trick. A hu- hugging Michael Douglas would one hundred percent smell like um like brute and cigarettes. <laughs> I'm into that. Sure. Smells like the eighties. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to date him. Yeah. Smells like the eighties exactly. Newports and brute. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, Car noir. That was the nineties. Like- yeah. Um, coming in at number six. A middle-aged unknown comes seemingly out of nowhere to become a legendary <laughs> baseball player with almost supernatural talent. Uh, the rookie. No. The natural. The natural. natural. The, the rookie that's was about right. the the kid. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. The, the natural. How did you? How did that start? Like an an unknown middle aged. It's un- like flipping burgers or yeah, something. Yeah, an unknown middle aged. Um, play- okay, that's all of us. That's every- <laughs> there's yeah. like one percent that are well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, let's see. That uh, was number six coming in at number five, opening this week up against uh, Gremlins. An aspiring DJ 
from the South Bronx and his best friend, a promoter, try to get into show business by exposing people to hip-hop music and culture. Is this Beat Street? Yes! Yes! <laughs> wow, you, same week. Yeah, you get two points, Al, for for <laughs> knowing Beat Street came out this week. <laughs> <laughs> Except not, not knowing that at all. Um, I get two points for guessing it twice. This was a big week for uh, hip-hop dancing. I guess. Um, coming in at number four. An admiral and his bridge crew risk their careers stealing a decommissioned ship to return to a restricted area to recover a body. I had to take out a lot Start- of proper names. Al? St- Star Trek Three: Search for Spock. Yes, it was. Ah, Recover yeah. a body. I had to, I had to take out a lot. I had to remove Kirk, Enterprise, Spock. Is this Genesis. the one with the whales in it? No, that's, no, that's four. four. Yeah. Oh, that's right. This is the one where he Spock died at the end of two, but they shot his body into the Genesis planet. Hey, did you know there's food in the Genesis cave, Josh? En- enough to last a lifetime, if necessary. <laughs> Uh, Whose lifetime? This is some Vulcans like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to run out. <laughs> uh, um, coming in at number three. Uh, oh, box office. Radio. <laughs> Why are you so... <laughs> Um, in 1935, an archaeologist arrives in India, still a part of the British Empire, and is asked to find a mystical stone. He then stumbles upon a secret cult committing enslavement and human sacrifices in the catacombs of an ancient palace. Temple of Doom, Indiana right? Jones and the Temple of Doom. That's right. Uh, Al gets Kali the point. Ma. Yes. Ali Ma. Woo. Yeah, that monkey movie. brain. Oh, God, the monkey brains. Yeah. Delicious. Chilled. <laughs> uh, in, yeah, Indy at number three. At number two. Sorry for all the pauses, guys. Box office mojo is being super slow today. We're here for the drama, right? Yeah, I think they add to it. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, number two this week. A boy inadvertently breaks three important rules. <laughs> <laughs> no girls in your room. No locked doors. <laughs> Finish your Concerning his new pet, <laughs> and unleashes a horde of malevolently mischievous monsters on a small town. That would be Gremlins. That would be Gremlins number two. Al gets it. Al, you get hey. you get one point, but if you get it wet, you will get a lot more. <laughs> Twenty points. Yeah. <laughs> It should be subtitled, White People Don't Listen, and They're Fucking Stupid. Yes, it should. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if we had a gremlins problem in this country, we'd have a serious fucking problem. Oh, God. It would have been started by some smart-ass white guy. Well, who knows how long Gizmo lived in that little basement shop. Well, yeah. (laughs) He could be 100 years old. And one thing 2020 has taught me is that every single one of these movies where people are stupid and don't pay attention to easily followable rules are uh-huh. is, is <laughs> completely realistic. I thought for yeah, years they no. were dumb, but no, this is yeah. what would happen. 
It yeah, doesn't now, say in the Constitution not to feed him after midnight. <laughs> right, exactly. And if it's it does, my Mogway, yeah. I'll do what I want. And if it does, they didn't mean it literally. That has to be interpreted by the courts to not feed him after midnight. I mean, everything's after midnight if you think about it. That's why I Where have a gun. Stop? I'm surprised nobody shot any of these Mogwai. That's all I have to nobody say about did. that. Yeah, yeah. They could have. That's a good. Yeah, point. I, bring that it would have been fucking aliens up in this shit i'd have had like you're right michael bean with a shotgun and like two i dudes think with the machine only, guns. i think the only use of a firearm is gremlin on gremlin <laughs> <laughs> no 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 stripe stripe does shoot billy he shoots all oh, right he does. Yeah. and there's the the mugger in the bar the mugger gremlin yeah, yeah. that's right. right that's what i mean yeah, yeah. it's mostly i wonder he, if that was a ratings thing like he shot at people kate. he shot at kate uh, yeah, in the bar, in the bar. She yeah. should have. Yep. She should have. There's a lot of shooting in the bar. Been a Mexican standoff. Should have been Reservoir Dogs all over again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if there was a Gremlins yeah. three, absolutely, there'd be like a Reservoir Dog Gremlins. Yeah, it would be hard to top number two. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I went all G-rated there for a minute. Um, so and coming in at number one this week, opening up against Gremlins. Uh, three is four, it Ghostbusters? Three former parapsychology professors <laughs> set up shop as a unique ghost removal service. The Ghostbusters. Man, what, what a week. Right? Okay, so we got Ghostbusters, Gremlins, Indiana Jones, Star Trek, <laughs> Romancing the Stone, Police Academy 2. <laughs> Count them. Two uh, hip-hop dance movies. Um, and... Opening, okay, outside of the top 10 at 11, 12, and 13, Once Upon a Time in America, 16 Ow. Candles, and Footloose. Oh. Holy fuck. I knew 84 was a good year for movies, but shit. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, and that is the box office top 10, which brings us to Gremlins itself. Um, so, um, this movie... Um, was uh, written by Chris Columbus, mm-hmm. uh, who, you know, is Home Alone, probably his biggest hit, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Adventures until in Until the... Oh, until Harry until Potter. Until the Harry Potter, yeah. yeah. Harry Potter 1 and 2, of course. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, yeah, he uh, also directed The Help in tw- 2011. Um cool. But uh, so he wrote this as a spec script, not expecting it to get uh, get produced. But Steven, it, it you know, uh, ran across Steven Spielberg's desk and uh, he said, hey, let's make this movie. Yeah, it was another one of those like happenstance Spielberg met him. Mm-hmm. And, that, and then <laughs> it was it at a bar mitzvah, I wonder. <laughs> but it was something. No, I know it was he was a writer before he met Spielberg, but he wasn't. He never had a job as a writer for the film industry. So yeah, it was that he came across it, and yeah, yeah. Now he's one of the most prominent directors. Yeah, yeah. It's like all you have to do is meet Steven Spielberg in one way or another. And Just meet him, and you're good to go. You're uh, good to go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, the director, uh, Steven Spielberg, hired Joe Dante, um, who, yeah, yeah, that dude, man. Um, prior to this, uh, did Piranha and the Howling. 
The Howling, so cool. Yeah, it is. It's really good. Um, afterwards, he did Explorers, Inner Space, The Burbs, Gremlins Two, Small Soldiers, um, Looney Tunes back in action in two thousand three. I forgot about that one. Um, yeah. Uh, the Hole. I don't know that. That was from two thousand nine. Um, but uh, yeah. That's quite the dream team there. Joe Dante, Chris Columbus, and uh, Steven Spielberg. Well, yeah, and, um, you know, it's like Toby Hooper for Poltergeist, um, mm-hmm. uh, Brian De Palma, Joe Dante. So all these guys were in the Roger Corman school yeah. of film making. And obviously, Lucas and Spielberg were the first ones to hit blockbuster success. But uh, Steven Spielberg did a great job of going back and getting those B directors who were really uh, Jonathan Demme's another. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like they made schlock movies for Corman, but they were <laughs> awesome. And so I just thought it was cool. <laughs> he finds uh, talent at bat mitzvahs and he also remembers who he came up with. He's really a hip hop star. I think. <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> he's the film equivalent. of, of yeah, he's like, I, I used to be Steven from the block. And uh, did you guys know the block that he refers to? He never sang that song. But the block I'm referring to is in Temp- Tempe, Arizona. Yeah. Where he grew up. Yeah. He's an Arizona kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't doesn't uh, come back really from, from my understanding. No, yeah. In, in Duel, his first film, maybe. Yeah. Uh, um, this movie stars Zach Galligan as Billy. Um, Zach is known for Gremlins and Gremlins to the New Batch. And mm-hmm. that's like it. Uh, he was in a few other. He was in Waxwork too. That was that was a pretty well known movie. Um, in '93, he was in Warlock, the Armageddon. <laughs> in 1995, he was in Cyborg Three, the Recycler, the Recycler. <laughs> Recyclops, Recyclops. Yeah, it's immediately what came to mind. Polluticorn. <laughs> um in 2013 he was in Hatchet 3 um and then in 2019 he uh it was in something called Madness in the Method. So, you know, he he, he hasn't been in a ton of hits, but he does work still. Um he did a ton of TV too. He was in Star Trek Voyager, he did some work on Law and Order like everybody. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he does a really great job as Billy. Um, I've always thought that he plays the dummy a little too much. Mm. Like he seems really goofy and stupid, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, he seems like completely flummoxed by everything that's happening right. all the time, even when it's a normal non-Gremlin related thing. Do we know right. what state this movie is supposed to be set in? Or is it like a Shermer Midwest <laughs> Not yeah, even Shermer, in, Illinois. America. Yeah, it's definitely. It anywhere. felt very midwestern. His voice, yeah, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, it's super midwestern feeling. Totally. Yeah. Um, Phoebe Cates. Yeah. Why he's written that way? Yeah. It could be. Yeah, it could be like yeah. Minnesota's. <laughs> yeah, like a West Coast like, version of it, a yeah, midwestern. It, it could be anywhere from right. Pennsylvania through Minnesota, like all of that whole yeah. Midwest range there. Um. Phoebe Cates is Kate Berenger. Um, ooh, Phoebe Cates. Uh, Fast yeah. Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, Drop Dead Fred. Um, she got her start in the 1982 movie Paradise, um, mm. in which uh, she, it was kind of a Blue Lagoon ripoff. 
her and the dude that was the greatest, or not the greatest American hero, the uh, Scott Bayo's buddy um, from Charles in Charge and Zap. Oh, Ames. Willie, Willie Ames. Ames. Willie Ames, yeah. I, how did I know that? That's so funny. <laughs> um, her and Willie Ames. It was basically a Blue Lagoon ripoff, but she uh, does go naked in it a lot. Um, mm, interesting. Uh, as well that as... Was be- that was before Fast Times? Yeah, that was her first movie. 82. That and Fast Times at Ridgemont High um, caused her to reassess her career, she says, which is why after that she started just doing like more PG rated movies. She never appeared topless again. Um, I think I saw Paradise on TV, so I didn't know there was any nudity in this movie (laughs) (laughs) until just now. Uh, there was an awful lot of laundry detergent in it, but yeah, um, yeah, Phoebe Cates, um, definitely. And she's married to Mr. Fish Odor from Bob's Burgers, uh, yeah. Kevin Klein. Mr. Kevin Klein, yes, indeed. Um, really? Yeah. Yep. For a long time now. That's a hell of a wow. couple right there. Those guys. I think since the nineties. Oh, I know. And and they both just sort of work when they want to. I don't know. I bet they have a nice life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet they do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's definitely on my list of like eighties uh, crush uh, actresses oh, of mine yeah. for sure. Uh, her. Yeah, I'd I'd be troubled to find someone who she isn't on that list. For. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and and surprisingly, because of the fast cutting in Fast Times, uh, uh, Judge Reinhold is also in a lot of my sexual fantasies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Accidentally. As a judge up on the podium. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's really if if you if you try to to. Um, to to use that scene <laughs> for your own personal use, you you have to constantly be doing it at the same time that Judge Reinhold is doing the same thing. <laughs> then you have to be like, doesn't anybody knock anymore? <laughs> oh man! Uh, um, Hoyt Axton played Randall Feltzer, the dad. Good old Hoyt Axton. Um, Hoyt Axton. Yeah, uh, he, yeah. Uh, mostly better known as a singer songwriter, guitarist, um, and. Uh, uh, composer. He wrote um, Joy to the World, Never Been to Spain, uh, The Pusher, The No-No Song. I have a couple tidbits about Hoyt Axton. Okay. Uh, first of all, his mo- his mother wrote Heartbreak Hotel. Oh, wow. Made, made famous by Elvis. Um, we sort of have a vague connection to him. He would spend an awful lot of time in Aravaca because he was a personal friend of uh, Chris Clark. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he even wrote a couple songs about Rocky Point out there at the Clark Ranch. But, uh, yeah, apparently he used to be there an awful lot in the late 70s. Yeah, he's a he's he's a heck of a guy. Hoyt Axton was interesting. Uh, he passed away in 1999. So, um, uh, we've got Polly Holiday as Ruby Deagle. Um, she had best. I don't think I realized this. That's Flo from Alice. Kiss Whoa. my grits. Oh, shit. It is. Yeah, I don't think I ever realized that before I looked it up. Um, no. Yeah. Best best known as that. She was also in All the President's Men. Uh, oh, God. Moon Over Parador. She was in Mrs. Doubtfire. Weird. Wow. The 1998 well, uh, Parent Trap remake. Well, kiss my grits. I had no idea. <laughs> Uh, Francis Lee McCain as Lynn Peltzer. That's the mom. Uh, she's 
Let's see. She was in Footloose, Back to the Future. She played Stella Baines in Back to the Future. I don't remember who that was. Oh, she played. She was Mrs. Lachance in Stand by Me. Uh, She was. She was in Patch Adams. Um, Yeah, yeah, a lot of a a lot of character actress work. Um, Well, she kills it in this, and that's no pun intended. (laughs) But uh, oh, she is a full-on badass. Everyone is. Nobody's phoning it in, but she, yeah, she plays it really well. I love how down to business she gets. Like she sees there's a, right. she sees there's a problem and just like goes straight boom. for the throat. Yeah. Bing, bang, boom. In contrast to her husband. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who, who sees a problem and then just muddles it even more. Yeah. But you're right. She dove in like she had been to Nam. And when she was in Nam, she fought tiny little green motherfucker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, as opposed to the dad who sees there's a problem, makes a few phone calls, and then shows up right after it's resolved. Always, <laughs> Seconds yeah. later. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Judge Reinhold is Gerald Hopkins. Uh, we saw him previously masturbating to Phoebe Cates. Um, <laughs> uh, he, uh, let's see, his first movie was Running Scared. Oh, I forgot he was in Stripes. Um, Yep. War Games, Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, yeah. All the Beverly Hills Cop movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> a banana in the tailpipe. Uh, oh, God, that's right. He was the the stepdad in the Santa Claus, wasn't he? Um, <laughs> he, he was it. Okay. So he joined the Beethoven franchise in the third movie and was, in, yeah, and was in three and four. Um, He's all, I like this. Fits well. <laughs> His most recent film was 2017's Bad Grandmas. Because who can follow Charles Grodin? Right. Um, answer is anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially Robert De Niro. <laughs> who can follow him all the way across the country? Uh, okay. Was Sorry. he, I don't know if it was him, but I remember it sounding a lot like him uh, in the Clerks animated series. Oh, he played, he played himself. Well, I'm. Oh, he did. I, I don't know if it was him, him, but they had a character named Judge Reinhold who was a, a judge. judge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He was Judge Reinhold. Wasn't that in the episode that was all for flashback? Right. Um, that, well, that was the whenever they were in court. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he did. He did. He played himself. Well, he played the Judge Reinhold on Clerks yeah. the Animated Series. That was a great series. So if I if I'm remembering correctly, that was the second episode, and the entire thing was done as a um, clip show flashback to the first right. episode. It, yes, to the first one. Yeah, because they were trapped in the freezer. Yeah. Um, did you mention Midnight Run a few minutes ago? I, I did because we were talking about Charles Grodin. <laughs> oh, I see. I yeah, see. and I, right. and yeah, you said no one can tra- follow Charles Grodin. I said, well, Robert De Niro can. Can follow him? Yeah, I just had a funny anecdote about that. But all right. Oh, well, right. well, you know, we we couldn't possibly lose our laser focus on Kremlins to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. When I lived over at Compound W with Dave and Goya, you know, um, there was this chick that hung around for a while, and she was pretty sketchy and um, definitely a drug addict, but we were all watching Midnight Run 
and we were sort of making jokes about it and commenting, but mostly just watching it. And, uh, you know, after so many missteps, I said about Yafet Kodo, the actor who was playing the cop chasing them. Mm-hmm. I muttered to myself, that guy is the worst cop in the world. And this chick, Melissa, jumped up in a fury and aggressively got in my face and said, did you just call me the worst cop in the world? (laughs) I was like, "Uh, no, I didn't call you that. It almost almost got physically tense. (laughs) I was like, I was talking about Yafet Kodo. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think it's because. And that sentence didn't help. (laughs) Yeah. I like to think it's because she actually considered herself a very good cop. <laughs> a very good cop. That's it. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, so, yeah, we've got Dick Miller playing Murray Futterman. Uh, he's uh, did a lot of Roger Corman work, which is, uh, I imagine, Joe Dante. Oh, and a lot of Dante. Yeah, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was in uh, Explorers, Piranha, The Howling, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Um, Chopping Mall, The Burbs, Terminator, uh, Small Soldiers. Um, he's if you see him, you know him from a million things. You're like, oh yeah, that guy. Um, yep. Glenn Turman as Roy Hansen. Uh, that was the science teacher. Uh, he was in Peyton Place. Oh. Uh, he was in The Wire. He played a uh, he played Mayor Royce. Um, hmm. he was in House of Lies. <laughs> Um, a different world. Um, um, I could be wrong, but I think he was in the last season of Fargo. Okay. I think I think he was the character Dr. Senator, but I could be wrong. Uh, let me see. He was in Fargo. Yep, that's him, Dr. Senator. Yep. He was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've got, uh, let's see, Key Luke as Mr. Wing. That's the... Wise old Chinese shop owner guy. Um, and short round, his grandson. Yeah. Who was just billed as Chinese boy. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah kid has a speaking role. And he's right, just exactly. a, he's just a nationality. Yeah. I, I mean, give him a fake Chinese name. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. Key Luke was born in 1904. Wow. Um, Fuck. Yeah, he started working in 19, in film in 1934. <laughs> when it was invented, he was waiting around. Yeah. <laughs> he was 80 in this. I thought that he had been, like, aged up. Yeah, no. Know? They legitimately got an old dude. Um, yeah, he was, let's see, he was uh, in a bunch of Charlie Chan movies. Um, God, so many Charlie Chan movies. <laughs> um, was he Charlie Chan? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he played Lee, brother, he, Ricky Chan. He played Lee Chan in the Charlie Chan movies. Um, I've never seen a Charlie Chan movie, so I don't know what that means. But um, he was in the Green Hornet. Uh, he played Cato in the 1940s Green Hornet serial. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, God. Was he in big trouble or am I just a racist? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. I'll get there. I'm still in the 40s. He has so many movies. <laughs> so many movies. I was thinking if he was in anything. I don't know. I keep thinking like maybe something with Bogart. <laughs> like Bogart was racist to like some Asians at one point, wasn't he? Um, <laughs> it's the sequel to The Maltese Falcon is the Jade Monkey. Yeah. So. Uh, nope. Nope. Not big trouble. Uh, he was in... 
Uh, let's see. He was in Dead Heat, uh, The Mighty Quinn in 1989. His last movie was uh, Alice in 1990, that Mia Farrow movie. Uh, Woody oh. Allen. Woody Allen yeah. retelling of Alice in Wonderland, actually. Yeah. I wonder if he always had that cloudy eye or if it was just a character. You know oh. what I mean? Yeah. Huh. Um, well, he has normal I eyes. Don't... He has normal eyes in, in the picture on Wikipedia. Normal eyes. Uh, Scott Brady played Frank Riley. Uh, that is, uh, let's see, was that the was that the sheriff? I can't. I don't know. All, these are all just normal guy names. So unless I like recognize the actor, I can't remember which. Sorry, what, was. what was the name again? The character name. Yeah. Was uh, Frank Riley. I can't remember which Frank town Riley. which town person that the, was. Yeah, he was the guy with the pipe and the hat who's always, you know, sort of right there when something's happening. Okay. He's the one that, I'm guessing. I think that's him. He was the one at the teller window when Mrs. Deagle pushed everybody aside. And then he's the guy that's like, yep, that'll do it. <laughs> um, he he uh, did a ton of uh, westerns in the 40s and 50s. Um, nothing super big that people would have heard of a lot that anyone would remember these days. Um, and in the sixties, he did some more Westerns. Uh, then in the seventies, Oh, it looks like he did some, uh, some horror stuff. Five bloody graves, hell's bloody devils. Um, I wonder if those are Corman movies. Um, no. Hmm. Uh, then yeah. China syndrome in 1979. Um, this was his last movie. Oh, oh, yeah, Sheriff Frank. He was Sheriff Frank. Who's the sheriff? Okay. All right. Um, we've got Corey Feldman as Pete. Corey mm-hmm. Feldman, of course. Goonies, Stand By Me, The Lost Boys, uh, License to Drive, Dream a Little Dream. Um, very, very sad story about him with him and Corey Haim. Um, very public. Yes. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, I don't want to go too much into that. It's a bummer, but yeah, he's, he's still, he's still doing his thing and he seems to be pretty okay-ish for. Well, he was the face of eighties kid movies. I know Haim was more popular in a way, but yeah, he's just, I can't think of my favorite movies from the eighties without seeing his face. Oh God. Yeah. He was in so many. Well, Haim was like the cute one and he was, Feldman was like the funny, smart ass one. one. Yeah. Um, John was a real Crosby and hope situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Banks as, uh, Brent, Brent Fry. Yeah. Brent Fry, the, uh, deputy, uh, best known, um, as Mike Ehrmantraut from Breaking Bad. Oh uh, yes. Uh, he was also in community and, but he had a long and storied, uh, film career. Uh, he was an airplane 48 hours, Beverly Hills cop. um, Dude, dude worked a lot. Uh, God, he was oh, Buckaroo Banzai. Um, yeah. yeah, when I was going over uh, IMDb, um, I didn't write any down because there were so many. He was in so many movies, like good movies, that I just forgot he was there. Yeah, I mean, he was he he was a solid like working character actor for years before he got really recognized as Mike. Only well, had hair. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's the thing is because I was like, oh, my God, who's this guy? I know this guy. And then I looked him up. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Mike. Um, Edward Andrews played Roland Corbin, uh, another character actor from the, uh, 50s and 60s. Uh, he was on the Dick Van Dyke show, apparently. Um, uh, oh God, yeah, just a bunch of movies nobody remembers from the 60s and 70s. Uh, Glass Bottom Boat, The Trouble with Girls. Oh, he was in Tora, Tora, Tora. The Million Dollar Duck from 1971. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh he was also in 16 candles he played one of the grandparents oh that guy yeah 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 uh yeah the one that the 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 one that brought the uh the uh asian exchange student yep um let's see jackie joseph as sheila futterman uh she's and in a bunch of stuff in the 50s and 60s. No one ever heard of. She was in the original 1960 Little Shop of Horrors. She was also on the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, she did a bunch of uh she did a bunch of TV, Hogan's Heroes. Um she was also in Police Academy 2, 4, <laughs> not 3 for some reason. Um <laughs> Small Soldiers, and she would return for Gremlins 2. Um Belinda Belaski is Mrs. Joe Harris. Uh, <laughs> she was in a bunch of Joe Dante stuff, The Howling Piranha, Small Soldiers, as well as Roger Corman's Cannonball. Uh, Harry Carey Jr. played Mr. Anderson. Mr. Um, Anderson. <laughs> um, Harry Carey Jr., you know, was in, uh, well known as a, uh, uh, Western actor. She wore a yellow ribbon, uh, Red River. Uh, Is his dad, Harry Carey, uh, the sportscaster for the Cubs? I believe so, if I'm not mistaken. Um, his father is Harry Carey. I mean, he's junior, so, but... Uh, well, right, but the particular... It's a common name. The guy with a statue in front of Wrigley Field. Um, <laughs> no, his dad was just a film actor uh, mostly in silent films. So that's just a coincidence. Just another Harry Carey. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, we got a uh, the cup. Then, yeah, then we're really getting into, like, let's see. We've got <coughs> Nikki Cat and Tracy Wellis as school children. John Louie as Mr. Wing's grandson. Kenny Davis as Dory. And Barney the dog was played by Mushroom the dog. I saw that. Um, I have a. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to. Well, no, you might. I was just going to say voice work. Howie Mandel did the voice of Gizmo. Frank Welker (laughs) did the the voice. Well, he said a few words. Uh, He does. He does. Frank Welker played as Stripe. Don Steele and Marvin. Don Steele uh, was rocking Ricky Rialto. Uh, Don Steele was an actual disc jockey. Um, Well known throughout the uh, 60s and 70s. Uh, Then we've got. Michael Winslow, uh, Bob Bergen, Fred Newman, Peter Cullen, Mark Dodson, and Bob Holt all did gremlin voice work. Cool. Um, I noticed... Oh, go ahead, now. Oh, just to uh, put some context uh, to those names, uh, Michael Winslow, we also we already mentioned um, in this podcast from Police Academy. Uh, Peter Cullen, probably best known as Optimus Prime. Yep. Um, 
Mark Dodson uh, I was Salacious Crumb. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so And um, when I, f- the instant that I heard Stripe laugh, I hadn't looked up any of the credits yet, but the instant I heard uh, the gremlin Stripe laugh and run away, I knew it was Frank Walker. Yeah, 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 you just can like, recognize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, <laughs> Howie, Howie Mandel took me by surprise. I, I didn't <laughs> know that, and now I can't unhear it. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's he's basically doing his Bobby's World voice, right? Yeah. So yeah, I started by doing the voice of a puppet, and now he judges other people's talents and dreams. Right. All right. So Josh, did you want to jump in? Well, yeah, you might mention him, um, but uh, I noticed it and it delighted me. I guess I never noticed it before, but uh, early on um, when Billy's in the bar and he's sort of doodling and sketching, he's sitting next to the great, the legendary Chuck Jones. Yeah. Yeah, Chuck. Yeah, he even says even says Mr. Jones when they're done talking. But yeah, that that was pretty rad. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty awesome, especially considering how cartoonish this was in a lot of ways. And Warner Brothers produced, mm. and also as we know, as you mentioned, even Dante was a huge Looney Tunes fan. Yeah. So oh yeah. Maybe later on. Yeah. But yeah. Huh. Um. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we there were a few other cameos too. Steven Spielberg was riding a bicycle. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Tom Bergeron played a, a news reporter, uh, composer, uh, Jerry Goldsmith, who composed the, uh, f- the music for the film, uh, was in a phone booth. Um, and Kenneth Toby was a gas station attendant. Kenneth, uh, I saw on IMDb, they actually gave Robbie the robot from Lost in Space. Yeah. A cameo credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, this movie was, in fact, reviewed by Siskel and Ebert. And, of course, that's about all you're going to see of Gremlins on television. Remember with E.T., how Spielberg only let you see the little finger going around the corner of the woodshed there, and with Gremlins, that's all you see. And, of course, there's another kind of Gremlin, too, that has claws instead of furry little paws. That comes later in the movie. I guess it goes without saying that Gremlins start out, at least, as cute little beasties. After all, this movie was produced by Steven Spielberg, the man who invented E.T., but... Gremlins can also be very mean, especially when they're fed after midnight. And this movie is not the same sort of heartwarming, cheerful fable that E.T. was. It has a darker sense of humor. There are some scenes in this movie where it really gets kind of gruesome, especially when that gremlin explodes inside the microwave oven. And although we accept that E.T. is a real, plausible creature, gremlins, I think, are basically just magical little story gimmicks designed to inspire a lot of action. Gremlins is a wicked and funny movie, sort of a satire on all those great B thrillers about monsters that attack small towns. And as, from that point of view, I liked it. I liked the fact that they were trying to do something more than just make another cute little animal movie. Yes, I liked it too. Uh, maybe I have a little sick sense of humor. I know, <laughs> but maybe I know I do. I, I do too. Right? <laughs> okay, and I like that part of it. It's not a namby pamby little mm-hmm. film, and parents should know that. But uh, I enjoyed it because it really is walking between two kinds of pictures, and I think it pulls it off. It's walking between the sweet little innocent Christmas fable, and it's also a flat-out horror film with the bad gremlins who are going to devour that town that a little boy lives in. And I thought the director, Joe Dante, really did a nice job moving between those two kinds of stories, so I bought the whole thing. I'll tell you what, in a way, this is a haunted movie, and what it is haunting is the whole tradition of Norman Rockwell Christmas American Hollywood movie. Right. The first shot in the movie, practically, is that town that's obviously right. an artificial, you know, all the little lights glimmering just like at the beginning of a Disney picture and before long 
everything that can go wrong on Christmas Eve in this sweet little town is going to go wrong, and the whole place is going to be up for grabs. And that kind of satire was really interesting in this film. It's like a Norman Rockwell painting, well, only there's blood on the turkey. You know, <laughs> okay, coming up next at the movies, The Search for Mr. Spock. <laughs> um, Roger kept saying, you know, the rules about the gremlins. But he's like, don't ever feed him after midnight. If you feed a gremlin after midnight, no problem. They're already a gremlin. Uh-huh. Mm. You just don't want to feed the mogwai after midnight. True. No, Science. the gremlins, right? They're the ones who trick Billy into giving them food after midnight. Well, no, midnight. no, but they're mogwai. They were mogwai at that point. They turn uh, into mogwai gremlins. was just his name okay. was the individual gremlin's name. I no. thought gremlin was like a... No, they were all mogwai. mogwai he was gizmo. Was Species. Yeah. The, oh, I thought Mogwai true. was yeah. the species. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, and I love that he referred to cute little animals as if it was a cute little animal picture. And uh, <laughs> refer, oh, Gene referred to Billy as the little boy. <laughs> yeah, right. He's, he's 24 years old. Yeah. yeah. Grown ass man. Uh, I, I think they get up to go to the bathroom a lot when they're watching these movies. <laughs> um, it is true, though. If you um, if you uh, watch the trailer, they did not give you a single shot of a gremlin or a mogwai once in the original theatrical yeah. trailer. That yeah. was shrewd. Yeah. Um, I had a. Uh, trivia note um, the uh, town of Kingston Falls um, that was the same set used for Back to the Future yeah I thought it looked familiar hmm. looks like another town but I couldn't put my finger on it but uh, that I mean that set's been used in a lot of stuff especially throughout the 80s and 90s uh-huh um, so all right well that's about it guys are you ready to get into the movie Bright light. Let's do it. <laughs> this is... Zoom, zoom. <laughs> this is Gremlins. We open, we open in Chinatown with a voiceover from Rand Peltzer, amateur inventor. Remember yeah. back when you could just be an inventor? <laughs> like, I was going to say that. He's the breadwinner of that house. Right. And they're struggling because they mentioned it many times. But they're not on Skid Row. I thought the same thing. Like back when you could be just a an inventor. Like yeah. this guy's a banker. This guy's a doctor. He's an inventor. Right? <laughs> selling stuff to like gas stations. Just randos, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just selling it to anybody. <laughs> yeah. even, even the Chinese proprietor of the he's trying to sell this dude a travel buddy. Well, and that yeah. dude does not travel. <laughs> right. <laughs> He doesn't get on a plane. Well, uh, no, no, but and he wants him to carry them, carry his stuff in his shop. <laughs> he looks yeah. around at the shrunken heads, and it's ah. like my merchandise will fit right in here. Yeah, that guy hasn't bought new inventory in decades. Right? Yeah, I don't know that he ever has. That's the stuff that guy owns. <laughs> um. All right, so. Uh, He's led into an underground shop by a young boy. It's stuffed with mystical trinkets, presided over by a wise old Chinese man. Rand tries to sell him an invention, but he's distracted by the sound of singing. He finds a tiny animal in a basket. It's called a mogwai. He wants it. The proprietor refuses to sell it, so the kid sneaks it out to him later. 
He says it's exactly what he's been looking for. Right. He says he's been looking everywhere for it. For it. <laughs> but, but then, like, so, but where were you looking? And why didn't you start at this chi- this crazy Chinese magic shop? Yeah. Just what I wanted. <laughs> um, yeah. So the kid tells him the three rules. Um, don't. Uh, they hate bright lights and sunlight will kill them. Don't get them wet and never feed them after midnight. Uh, much like being a Spider-Man with Mogwai comes much responsibility. That's right. Also, there was a fourth rule, and that's not talk about Fight Club. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we cut to the little town of Kingston Falls. It's Christmas. Um that to- shot is just so wonderful. Um, like Gene said, it's Norman Rockwell, but um, just the matte painting and the, it just sets a beautiful scene. You don't know what kind of movie you're about to watch. No, you don't. And I, yeah, so I just want to say like, okay, so I watched this with Jude. It was his first time seeing it. And I don't think he realized what this movie was. Like, I think right. he thought it was closer to like E.T. or like like a much more kid-friendly movie like i think you thought it was like like right. more like a like a dis like disney kind of movie because he was or even even now as a frame of reference you know the child in the mando show type thing yeah you know what i mean like you you finally see gizmo and you're like that's adorable that's where this is going yeah is yeah. this cute little guy, and there will be some gremlins, and they'll have some wacky adventures. But yeah, um, there'll be some weirdness, but yeah, but not brutality. <laughs> yeah, no. So, so once things started going off the rails, Jude was losing his mind at this movie. That's he, all. The, um, and when when she starts telling the story about her dad, he actually made me stop the movie because he was he was um, laughing so hard that he 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 and he simply could not believe what he was hearing. That's crazy. It still disturbs me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, we meet uh, some townsfolk. We meet Billy Peltzer, Rand's son. Billy's late for work. His car won't start. Um, everyone knows you don't want to try to drive a VW in the winter in the snow. Especially a block away. Yeah, right? Why are you even driving? So I guess I'll walk because it's a block away. Yeah, this town is only three blocks, so. <laughs> yeah. I hate foreign cars. Yes. Oh, yeah. His whole deal about foreign anything. Yeah. Very funny. Uh, um, he walks, takes his dog, uh, runs into a few uh, various residents on the way at work. Where well, he- it's actually Futterman that calls them gremlins, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I know in World War II, that was a cute little name for, you know, when your engines unexpectedly went out or there was a problem it was a gremlin but it's cool that futterman's the one that introduces that yeah well in that to the movie yeah i I guess we actually we didn't talk about the the um origin of the concept of gremlins that is a pretty modern thing they're not like an ancient folkloric creature that they're a modern folkloric creature um that does have its origin in the 40s like you were saying with um world war ii airplanes they would blame it on Uh gremlins um, the, the next most famous thing we saw about gremlins prior to this was the twilight zone. Um, the William Shatner episode with the gremlin on the airplane wing. Yeah. Yes. And then, and then oh my God, it's judge Reinhold. Who's in the remake. No, no, no. It? Lithgow. John oh, Lithgow. Lithgow. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which, which was, uh, the twilight zone movie that was directed by Steven Spielberg. 
that that um, mm-hmm. portion. So, um, but also I remember um, where was he? Okay, I'll, I'll use this picture. But anyways, the gremlin from these Disney cartoons from around that time. Um, shit, I don't know. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember those. Anyways, he had little, like, airplane wings for ears. Yeah. A big red nose, and, like, yeah, Donald Duck would be driving the plane, and he'd just be ripping. I remember that, yeah. 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 Um, There was that. And then, of course, um, that, the Twilight Zone one was parodied on the Simpsons um, Treehouse of Horror, (laughs) where Bart saw the gremlin on the side of the school bus. Yep. (laughs) So, um, all right. So, uh, he, uh, Billy shows up at work with his dog. We meet Kate, his love interest and coworker. Then mean old Mrs. Deagle shows up. Um, I found it interesting how anti-capitalist this movie was in a lot of ways. Well, okay. No, but so there are two archetypes that Mrs. Deagle is, is totally inhabiting. Yeah, and to speak of the capitalist thing, she is basically Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life in Bedford Falls. In fact, it's called Kingston Falls. Yeah, um, like Bedford Falls, and then obviously she's channeling Irma Gulch from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, Um, she even says, "I'll get you." She doesn't say "near little dog" too, but um, yeah. So she's just, but it's not hokey. She's just owning it so well, one hundred percent. Well, and even um, where when she comes um, stomping up to to. uh, the bank, um, the music that Jerry Goldsmith um, composed for that is v- almost the Wicked Witch music. Yeah. Clearly referencing both of those things. Yeah, definitely. Um, so. Uh, and she's sort of Scrooge like when the little, the mother comes up with her two, you know, freezing children. Well, yeah. And she's like, Do we have, we have an extension. No, you know. And she says, well, Merry Christmas. And I expected Deagle to turn around and be like, well, Merry Christmas, <laughs> sort of like Scrooge does, you know. But it's Christmas, sir. Oh, <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so, all right. So she goes in. Uh, she's a big property owner there. Um, and we heard at the end of the movie that her husband was a um, jailed. Her ex-husband was uh, jailed for, um, uh, I think, I can't remember if it was insider trading or tax fraud. <laughs> Uh, do, 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 do. uh, convicted stock swindler, stock swindler. Yeah. Hmm. Um, we heard that on TV at the end. Yeah. Um, she, own, so yeah, she has, uh, the snowman head. Billy's dog broke the lawn ornament. Uh, she wants to put the dog to sleep. She wants to kill the dog and says, it'll yeah. be kinder than what I would do to him. She, yeah, what does she say? She says something that she will do because that other older guy's like, yep, that'd do it. <laughs> I don't remember, but right. yeah, this movie, I like how the dog is increasingly getting more upset based on what's being said. Yes. <laughs> and the dog finally has enough with Deagle's last threat. <laughs> it's not how a dog behaves. <laughs> So yeah, He's the, like, what? What? This bitch. This bitch right here. He's like, get your get my name out of your mouth, Deagle. Yeah. Um, the dog jumps out, jumps on her, she freaks out and does the whole my heart, my heart. Um and then uh Billy gets in trouble with his boss about it. Um she's super Karen vibes from Mrs. Deagle. Um <laughs> 
Uh, Billy, that night, goes to the pub where Kate moonlights as a waitress. She works there for free. Um, so what was her relationship to the pub owner? Was he just a kindly old man? Did he, like, help raise her since her dad was dead? Like, I was, I found that unclear. Just small town, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they didn't, um, elaborate on their actual relationship. Um, I, because she was, uh, she had a petition to have Dory's the bar declared an historic landmark. Mm -hmm. Um, she had Billy sign earlier, but I think, and she's doing this, uh, she's waitressing for free, um, just to help out. Uh, she just really cares about, uh, um, this guy and this bar. Yeah. Like they said, said something about how, um, everybody's dad proposed to everybody's mom there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Um, all right. So, uh, Gerald shows up. That's, uh, judge Reinhold. He's a VP at the bank. Him and Billy have a drink. He hits on Kate. She shoots down his advantage. He's like, I get so many channels. (laughs) <laughs> i i love their exchange though because he says uh like straight out he says kate you haven't seen my new apartment i haven't seen your old apartment <laughs> yeah kate yeah bringing the fire um at home billy and his mom make dinner they deal with rand's inventions um the egg um the crack. corn baller the yeah corn. the egg the corn baller. Well, and the next morning there's a juicer. Like juicers already exist, Rand. <laughs> you didn't have to make a new one. Um, so yeah, uh, he arrives home. He has a present for Billy. Um, he gives it. It's uh, Billy opens it, and it's the Mogwai. Uh, Rand names it Gizmo and tells Billy the rules. Yeah, almost uh, absent. Like, oh yeah. As an afterthought. By the way, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, this this was uh, 18 minutes into the film that we first saw the Mogwai. Mm-hmm. We first saw Gizmo. Well, I mean, they, they yeah, they were 100% like saving that shit. Yeah. Um, Billy and Gizmo uh, do some bedtime bonding and then go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> That came out weird. Uh. <laughs> um, Gizmo gets injured like right away. Yeah. And the light thing, it takes him four or five lights to remember that that's a drag for him. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And Billy, again, is just befuddled by everything. Later on, when he gets Gizmo wet, he's like, it was What's just that? normal water. What's happening? Like You were told <laughs> not to do that. Three rules. Three. <laughs> You fucking assholes. Yeah, three rules. Stay home, wash your hands, wear a mask. Why can't you do it? <laughs> exactly. Now we all have gremlins. Thanks a lot, dicks. Uh, all right. So um, the next morning, Billy has to contend with his father's homemade juicer. Pete, Corey Feldman, brings a Christmas tree over. He was dressed as a Christmas tree and having to deliver Christmas trees. <laughs> I loved it. When he's first introduced, you never even see his face. Yeah. You know, you don't know who's in there, but yeah, very funny. Uh, So uh, they go up to Billy's room. Billy shows him Gizmo. 
they spill water on him, and five little puffballs spring off his body and hatch into five mogwai. That shit was disturbing. Which at this point, it was. Yeah. I remember as a kid, and the way he's writhing. But I love how Corey Feldman is, is 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 disinterested after the crazy water thing happens. He's like, yeah, oh, cool. I'm going to read this comic. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I'm over it now, basically. Uh, um, yeah. So there's one with a mohawk that they call Stripe. None of them are as nice as Gizmo. Um, Gizmo seems pretty upset about all this. Yeah. He does. <laughs> if he could talk, he would tell Billy, but Billy picks up no uh, emotional cues whatsoever. None from this animal, which is nothing but a furry little ball of like emotional communication. That's all he does <laughs> right, exactly. is communicate emotions, and Billy gets nothing. Nothing. It's now whistling in a minor key. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, his ears go down and his little eyes like go up like. And Billy doesn't care, like you just said. So not only the responsibility of having one completely unknown species as a pet, but suddenly there's five or six more. And he's like, hmm. it would be like if you're sitting at home and your dog started bubbling and suddenly there were seven other dogs. Oh, and, and you're just like, well, that's what happens with dogs. As a man who lives with two chihuahuas, that is a nightmare scenario. <laughs> it is. But would you just go to bed like moments after? Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll see what they're up to in the morning. Tell your dad, and your dad's just like, maybe we should sell him. That seems like a good idea. Let's just keep, let's put Gizmo in the shower. <laughs> They're like tribbles. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Good point. Um, so that night, Billy goes out and finds Barney the dog tied up and Christmas lights outside. The family blames Mrs. Deagle. Rand says he'll take Barney with him and leave him off at a. Um, his parents' house on his next trip. He's going to be home on Christmas Eve. He's got a big <laughs> um, convention. Yeah, the convention. I like how, like, um, when he calls home from the convention, he's like clearly like way out of his depth. And he says like yeah. a lot more advanced than I thought. It's not all bathroom <laughs> yeah, that's buddies. Spielberg. Spielberg rides around him a couple times. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, Billy takes one of the Mogwais to school to show Mr. Hansen the high school <laughs> science teacher. And this lab is very sophisticated. Yeah. So <laughs> you, what I love is the fact that the science, the high school science teacher wearing a lab coat <laughs> yep. is, decides to do experiments on this animal. That yeah, no one's with ever hypodermic, seen before. Hypodermic needles and serums that he has. I don't know. I remember my science classes. It was like the model of the inside of a frog and then like maybe a double helix model that's been put together. Yeah. Like it was a big like deal. He, it was a big deal when we got starfish into dissect. Like they right. did not have the equipment or the know-how to do experiments on an all new kind of animal. Right. Apparently, Kingston Falls High School is just like the place for genetic research. It's just a furry fetal pig. That's all it is. <laughs> That's yeah. all it is. Uh, yeah. Mr. Hansen, he's uh, the leading scientist in the nation. <laughs> the leading the. scientist. <laughs> the leading he would have been a doctor had he not decided to dedicate his life to teaching the children of Kingston of, Falls. Of Kingston Falls, yes. He's the number one in the nation, but based on American top four rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Uh, yeah, he's 
because he's the one we see. Because he's the one we see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I I wonder how there. much the the science teacher from Stranger Things is based on this character. So much. Mm. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that oh, before. Oh, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, because they're so buddy-buddy, and yeah, he is obviously smarter than your average science teacher. That's a good well, point. Very invested in like, oh, you're curious. Right, yes. Let's go all the way and explore everything about this. I'm going to yeah. get it wet right fucking now. Right. <laughs> That's one of the rules. So get me a bucket. Yeah. We're yeah. dunking this thing. <laughs> right, well, and, okay, so, and... It didn't occur to me until watching it this time. I'd never thought about it when I was younger. I always thought of this as Billy's science teacher. But no, Billy's a grown man with a job. He's not in high school. Yeah, this is his old science teacher. Yeah. Old so from like, uh, now that we're in the science phase of this movie, <laughs> um, what if so I take this... a mogwai and I drop it off a boat into the ocean? <laughs> oh, dear God. Exponential growth? Right? Yeah, because all those mogwai. The, the other ones would, yeah. I mean, we saw what yeah. happened with just a swimming pool. I assume with the ocean, the world would be overrun with mogwai within days. Yeah. Be a Build serious that case wall. of tribbles. Yeah. So, yeah, this uh, this was uh, Pete's uh, science teacher. Science. We find out later. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm. That's right. So, wait, wait, wait. Isn't Pete only like 12 or 13 years old? So, this isn't even a high school science teacher. This is a middle Maybe. school science teacher. Maybe it's he like skipped a grade. Yeah, skipped a grade. He is so working. You don't ask. Mm. It's like in Back to the Future. How did those two guys become best friends? <laughs> yeah, right. I always assume Marty was uh, Doc Brown's drug dealer, but, uh, yeah. you know. Marty's kind of boring. Yeah. At the time this movie was uh, made, well, when it came out, um, Corey Feldman was not quite 13. So when it was being made, he would have been 11 or 12. Yeah. Very much kids. So yeah, definitely middle school <laughs> science teacher, not even high school. Uh, um, all right. So yeah, they, uh, they make a new Mogwai that Mr. Hansen keeps to study. Uh, then that night, Billy goes to the pub, uh, helps Kate get Mr. Fetterman home safely. Uh, Mr. Fetterman is going on about, Foreign-built cars. Does he mention Gremlins? Foreign-built everything. Yeah. Uh, he's got. Yeah, a, this is where he. This is where he mentions Gremlins. Yeah, he's got a. Uh, think, he's yeah. got. He's got a real like QAnon thing happening, <laughs> Mr. Fetterman. Um. <laughs> so yeah. Well, but it was typical for World War II vets. They just got done fighting the Germans and Japan, and then within like fifteen years. We were flooded with German and Japanese products. So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. there were many Futtermen out there. For sure. Um, so, yeah, he walks Kate home. She hates Christmas. He asks her out on a date. She says, yeah. Meanwhile, back at the school, Mr. Hansen is drawing blood from a very unhappy Mogwai. At about 10 or 11 p.m. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> at home, at Billy's house, his... Uh, Mogwai Horde is hungry. He checks the clock. It says it's not midnight, so he gives them some chicken. Gizmo doesn't want any. Um, then Billy falls asleep watching TV. Um, mm -hmm. Back at the lab, the clock reads after 2 a.m. Mr. Wait, Hansen, I'm sorry. 
there's a couple movies we see him watching, but is this where we see him watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers? I yeah. Th- yeah, I think the so. scene with the pod yeah. that opens. That yeah. Ends up looking. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. And uh, the movie he was watching earlier, I didn't catch the name, but uh, it was a uh, Clark Gable. Clark Gable. Yeah. Mm. Uh, racing movie. Mm. <laughs> where Clark Gable plays Sea Biscuit. <laughs> uh, um, back at the lab, clock reads uh, after two a.m. Mr. Hansen's done with his sciencing. For the night, I don't know what he was doing all those hours. Uh, no, I'm gonna go he was drinking geography. the blood. Yeah. He was just tasting it, just tasting <laughs> like a cop samples. <laughs> like it's pure. It's like, is this pure. human blood? What is no, this thing? That would be insane. Um. Yeah. So he leaves a half-eaten sandwich next to the cage, uh, which the Mogwai inside immediately grabs and eats. The next morning, it's Christmas Eve. Billy and his mom discover the Mogwais have formed cocoons and that the clock that Billy checked the night before has been, was disabled. The, uh, what? Yeah. Uh, the same thing. Uh, oh, yeah, and they're, they're all potted up. Um, the Mogwai at the school is also in a pod now. Rand. <laughs> <laughs> For remedial learners. Yeah. Rand calls his wife to let her know he's on the way home. Upstairs, the cocoons are beginning to hatch. At the bank, Mrs. Deagle shows up to be terrible and threaten Billy's dog again. Back at the school, uh, during class, the Mogwai egg hatches. During a film strip, as do the ones at Billy's house. At the school, the gremlin hides. Mr. Hansen calls Billy to tell him about it. Uh, Then he finds the hiding gremlin, which attacks him. Billy arrives, discover Mr. Hansen's corpse, and is chased and attacked by the gremlin. Uh, at home, Gizmo hides. Billy tries to call his mom to warn her, but the gremlins have cut the phone line. They terrorize the mom, play a game of cat and mouse. She kills. The most terrifying thing, even when I was a kid and now, was that they turned on the Christmas music. Oh my God, yeah. And and the song was Do You Hear What I Hear? Like Uh It added such a level of tension and and scariness. It was just brilliant. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And then, um, and another uh, act of brilliance, our first glimpse of the gremlin was at f- 50 minutes and 54 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first time we see, see the, the gremlin. No, uh, it, that was uh, back at the school, the one that pops out of the cabinet. Yeah. No, the Christmas tree. Remember, she keeps getting closer to the Christmas tree. She sees two glowing eyes. No, I, I know. I was <laughs> talking about something completely different. Oh, I thought that happened. In, okay, go ahead. I was just saying that the the first time we see a gremlin uh, yeah. was the 50 minutes and 54 seconds. Um, and it was in almost the halfway through the movie. And how it, do and we it was, see it? It was the one at the school uh, popping out of the cabinet in the infirmary. Oh, far out. I thought it was first revealed at her house at the... No, it... Uh, it all right. Yeah, it's the one at the school. Then we see the ones in the kitchen. Then we see the uh-huh. tree one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she kills one with the f- with the food processor. Another she stabs. The third she puts in the microwave. The fourth attacks her jumping out of the Christmas tree. At that point, Billy arrives, kills it with a sword. Stripe escapes the house. Uh, Billy takes his mom to the local, local doctor's house and is like, stay here so you don't have to be in the movie anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
I loved how uh, after she stabbed the second one um, and then is getting attacked by the third, the second one is still twitching on the counter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that, but that's awesome. Well, and let's not forget, I was going to bring it up later when we see so many, um, which there might have been some artistic license there, but this is all Stan Winston. This is all practical yeah. effect shit. This is puppets uh, and stop motion. Yeah. And it really adds. Now that we've gotten so used to CGI and you go back and look at it, it makes this movie a lot scarier. Being able to see them in three dimensions, you know, it's yeah. wild. Yeah. Them actually existing in real life makes things yeah. so much cooler in a lot of ways. Um, so, all right. So, uh, he goes home. He finds Gizmo hiding in the dumbwaiter. They track Stripe to the YMCA only to be attacked. <laughs> <laughs> so the stripe knows what a ymca is and he knows what it entails what what's inside of a ymca no the the gremlins seem to have a lot of inherited knowledge about yes. a large array of pop culture, pop culture and just yes. the way the world works in general civil culture yeah just how our society functions yeah they really do um so uh <laughs> Stripe jumps into the pool, causing thousands of gremlins to spring into existence. Billy runs to the police station to tell the cops everything, but they're drunk and don't believe him, even after he shows them Gizmo. Well, uh, and then later, a callback to that is in Goonies. When Chunk goes to the cops, they even reference gremlins in that. They're like, sure, Lawrence, and all those little creatures that took over your house. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's the same sort of scene, but then in, in Goonies, he's talking about gremlins. It's just cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is. The movies we had as kids were cool. <laughs> uh, uh, meanwhile, the gremlins are terrorizing the town. First, Mr. Fetterman's attacked with his own plow. Then they, then they attacked the priest with in the mailbox. That was a, uh, um, that that character, a British character actor. Um, I th- was he on WKRP? Um, oh, I know who you mean. Yeah. Um, then they mess with the traffic signals, causing accidents. Uh, <laughs> the cops get some calls and head out to investigate, though they still don't believe Billy. Uh, then, meanwhile, the gremlins murder Mrs. Deagle. With her, yeah. with, with a, her chair. Yeah. Yeah. All her cats are named after uh, units of currency around the world. Oh, huh. Um, the, the, the first cat um, she addresses is Kopec, uh, which is uh, in Russia, one hundredth of a ruble. <laughs> it's like a, a Russian cent. And she she says like Kopec's a bad kitty, <laughs> I guess because it's Russian. Uh, but then the cat on her lap is Drachma. Oh, okay. And then um, the other cat she names is uh, she calls by name is Dollar Bill. Wow. He's the favorite. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. All right. So yeah. So she dies. <laughs> um, then. Um, Oh, when she if she opens the door um, and they're caroling, um, that was just such a a fun moment that they're all dressed up in the earmuffs and the scarves, mm-hmm. and they have the the songbooks. <laughs> so just this also just brings- singing the Gremlins theme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
I, okay, I'll save it for unanswered questions. All right. So- and then, uh, but then she closes the door and says, oh, no, they've come for me. <laughs> <laughs> they- I'm not ready. Who come. are they? Who are they? Uh, all right. So uh, like she's, she's expecting them. <laughs> right. yeah, they finally based on their savvy and their knowledge i'm pretty sure the gremlins took over the local um tv affiliate station oh yeah so she found out that way <laughs> like it's it's 10 o'clock do you know where your gremlins are um so all right so yeah they uh cut the brake lines on the police car causing an accident then Billy heads out to see what's going on while his dad is traveling home and selling <laughs> smokeless ashtrays. Um, they the- were both both a little drunk, uh, the sheriff and the deputy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, Deputy Brent, um, I don't know. I really felt for him like when he's, he's watching these guys get attacked. And he's just like, Frank, I really think we should go now. Why don't you start the car? Because I'd really like to go back to the station. Yeah, no, <laughs> just, I believed just, him. Yeah, all one sentence. Yeah, um, what, what kind of crime is there in Kingston Falls? Yeah, exactly. These are some very old timey, like neighborhood, <laughs> neighborhood sheriff deputy kind of guys. Barney fight. Well, they yeah. caught the stock swindler. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, uh, yeah, Mayberry. Then at the pub. The gremlins. <laughs> the gremlins have taken up residence there, and we get an extended gremlins doing pop culture stuff. <laughs> when this left turn happened, when I was a kid, it it was so funny. Everything in this scene is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, there's the jazz playing gremlin. There's the poker. <laughs> Playing gremlins. There's the flash. Okay, that's dance. a paint. That's a painting that I want on my wall. Gremlins pa- playing poker. Oh yeah, it's totally, totally. And, and one of them's cheating. Yep, <laughs> yes. he's got the aces behind his ears. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so guns come out naturally. Um, there's the beatnik. Uh, he's sitting by himself, smoking and you the, know drink, drinking port wine. Yeah, gremlin, gremlin noir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's taunted by the the gremlin puppeteer. (laughs) (laughs) And at first you just see the puppet before you see the gremlin operating it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then there's the flash dance sequence. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The flasher gremlin. That's right. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They They know so much. A bunch of them were playing uh, croquet billiards bowling. Yeah. <laughs> they combined three games into one. <laughs> where did they get their like character-specific outfits? Just well, that was one of my where... unanswered questions. These <laughs> tiny, tiny coat? outfits. Yeah. <laughs> All these tiny clothes that they got. Like, I wonder if they chose their identities and then looked for those clothes or if they were just in like a Mervyn's <laughs> in front one of, of a Rackland's was clearly like a tailor. Yeah, and you made know? all these clothes really that, fast. It, what would you say really fast? But I love that um, she's still serving them. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's like, what else are you going to do? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, job's a job. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, she uh, discovers they hate light, and she escapes and meets Billy. They run and head to the bank. 
The entire town is in complete chaos at this point. At the bank, Kate reveals the terrible backstory of why she hates Christmas. So, um... Oh boy. Her Ooh dad boy. <laughs> disappeared Christmas Eve and they He went to go buy cigarettes it sounds like. Yeah. But it gets worse. And oh no, he uh he was they were waiting for him to come home from work. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought that he had like left like, "Oh, I'll be right back." Oh. No. no they were waiting for him to come home to work, but he never arrived. And then a few weeks later, they noticed the smell when she went to go try to light the fire in the uh, fireplace and the uh, fire, uh, the fire uh, men came and fished out her dad's corpse dressed as Santa Claus. We thought it was a raccoon or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a cat. Like, well, that's dark on Christmas anyways. Yeah. He, but it's dad dressed he, like Santa. He slipped and broke his neck and got lodged in the chimney. Yeah. For Having anyone listening that has a chimney. Don't don't do this. Yeah, don't yeah. don't go down your they're, chimney. They're not made for yeah. Santa is fucking magic. That's why they used children to clean them in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. And Dick yeah. Van Dyke. You can't just like no, but he used the men used the brushes. That's true. But you know, yeah, adults wouldn't shimmy down there. Because they wouldn't fit <laughs> I made a chimney. If you made a chimney that large, you would get more shit down your chimney than yeah. <laughs> <laughs> having been having been eight when I first saw this movie, I'm wondering if this isn't how I found out there was no Santa Claus. Oh. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's sad. Mm. He dropped a bomb on me. Yeah, I, 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 I can't remember knowing like when I found out, so yeah. I, I, have I no don't idea. remember when I found out. Yeah. I think I was like five and it was like there's no Santa. Good night, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. We'll see you in the morning. <laughs> it's Christmas Eve. It was a random, was a random <laughs> day of March. <laughs> it wasn't Christmas Eve as you were going to sleep. <laughs> no, earlier. <laughs> uh, um, so, all right. So they leave the bank. Uh, the town's quiet. The gremlins are all in the movie theater watching Snow White singing along. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they love it. They yeah. love it. And that's a Joe Dante thing. I've seen interviews where he talks about how scary early Disney movies were and what an effect they had on him. And yeah. So, yeah, there was, there's creepy stuff in those early Disney movies. Pinocchio, well, he, especially. I was just going to say, he taught, he says directly, Joe Dante says that um, the transformation scene where the kid turns into the donkey in Pinocchio was exactly what he modeled the howling transformations oh, after. that makes sense. you see the shadow starting to turn into a wolf's face then you'd cut to him and it's all yeah it's pretty rad uh it's good filmmakers man um so they uh let's see stripe leaves and heads to the nearby department store in search of candy billy gizmo and kate sneak in <laughs> um they start a gas leak and uh leave and a fire and they escape from the theater just in time for the building to explode, taking out all of the gremlins except for stripe. That was handy. Yeah. Worked out well. Yeah. Um, so stripe, they notice him in the department store. He disappears into, uh, the depths of it and they follow where, where he's working now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> in men's apparel. He's <laughs> like, would you like to see that in a 32 long? <laughs> or, a, or a four short. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, yeah. Uh, Billy goes after Stripe. Kate and Gizmo head to like the office where they try to find the light switches to turn on the lights. Stripe injures Billy. Um, and then with a crossbow, with right? a, yeah, with a crossbow, and then goes after him with a chainsaw. Motherfucker, <laughs> right? He is hardcore. Um, Billy fends him off with a baseball bat. Um, he's about to kill Billy when Kate turns the lights on, causing Stripe to run into the shadows. Stripe uh, spots a fountain um, that he tries to get to um, while shooting at Billy. Meanwhile, Gizmo has found a tiny car that you can actually drive. What? It's a Barbie. Yeah. Yeah, it has a motor, apparently. And and the steering wheel and pedals work, it would seem. <laughs> right. It's not an RC car. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Gizmo arrives in the tiny car, uh, uh, crashes into, like, the blinds, which open, causing the morning sun to hit Stripe, who, like, melts and disintegrates in this big, br- bubbling, disgusting... Sloppy oh, mess. Yeah. Yeah. Rand shows up just in time to not help anybody. Nope. Um, <laughs> uh, so at home that night, they watch the news about the destruction. Um, oh, uh, Rock and Ricky had his own adventures all night long and fought off the gremlins. We discovered. Oh, yeah, right. They invaded the radio station, but he fought them right. off and stayed on air all night. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're like first take over mass media, any media in the town. Yeah. When when Billy's driving his car, um, he has uh, Rocket R- Ricky on the the radio. Um, Pete calls in to tell him about the Gremlins. He's like, <laughs> oh, I've had I've had enough of this um, War of the Worlds crap. And then you hear his voice, just like, Hey, what's that? Who's that? Is that a Rocket Ricky fan? Hey, you're not a rock and Ricky fan. <laughs> <You're not. laughs> it's like, how does he know? Maybe they are. By appearance. Yeah. <laughs> they showed up. Uh, so, um, yeah, at they're uh, watching the news about the destruction. Uh, when the old Chinese man shows up, he takes Gizmo back. Gizmo says his goodbyes to Billy and they walk off into the night. Rand tells us to watch out for mechanical failure in our appliances it could be gremlins. Roll credits. Mr. Wing, uh, when he shows up, um, he gives them a stern look, and then he looks at the television, which is uh, showing the news. Um, but his response is not like, you broke all the rules. His first response is, you teach him to watch television? Yeah. yeah. That's what he's most upset about. He's a Western Mogwai now. Yeah. I, I love the shot of him being eight feet tall. Yeah. He's, he's on the entryway from the, right. the front door in where you would step down into the living room if you had a house that yeah. had multiple floors kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love that. That's my favorite shot of the whole movie is of him being this tall, spooky guy. And then uh-huh. he steps down the stairs and he's just a normal guy. He's just a normal 80-year-old yeah. Chinese guy who's like, didn't this? Didn't I have a box also for this thing? <laughs> yeah, like, this, where's the box he came in? Yeah. It, it just 
it sets the tone at the very end of like this whole movie was a joke you guys yeah right. after it being spooky and, and really really it, over the top you should have been like it's chinatown billy <laughs> 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 and uh rand apologizes uh, to mr wing and gives him a, sm- a smokeless ashtray yeah. Right. yeah, and he said a man at the at the gas station tried to sell him one. Yeah, like this but isn't a Ms. new invention. <laughs> but Mr. Wing accepts it graciously. Yep, even though he smokes a super long, thin ivory pipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was my favorite part of the whole movie. It was just this weird Chinese mysticism, but but not being as terrible as it could have been. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't. It, it wasn't feel racist or heavy-handed. It wasn't it as was stereotypical just, or racist as as it, many in. It was self-aware with what it was doing with yeah. the casual racism of it. Yeah, not to say that it wasn't racist, you know, yeah. inherently, but sure. But, but I it, mean, having a curio shop or an oddities shop is not uncommon. Yeah. But so I guess it's better than using some tottering old white guy in or a, or a oh uh, long duck dong character right. oh, who is yeah. like an over the top, you know, yes. he didn't have an accent or anything really. No, neither you know, he wasn't he like did. curling his mustache or moving his beard. <laughs> oh, he was clearly an Americanized character. Yeah. Just who, uh-huh. Yeah. Ran a curio shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. That, that's gremlins. Uh, yeah. I, it's, it's, there's a reason it's considered a classic. It's a really good movie. It held yeah, up. There's, there's a reason three of us were going to nominate it. Yeah. You fucking guys. <laughs> um. <laughs> Brian's kind of salty about Die Hard still. <laughs> Die Hard is the greatest Christmas movie of all time. It is a really good one. That next been. year. Next year. Next Christmas. Uh, other Probably than good. a few little things here or there it, it's a timeless movie it doesn't feel dated necessarily like i said there's a couple items even in you know uh, props and set direction uh, but it doesn't feel dated in one specific time yeah which makes the movie great <laughs> you made some good points about the like the homage to like it's a wonderful life and that kind of thing too they did a great job of tying in christmas culture um mm-hmm. as well as like current pop culture you know well and there was and the, and the weird side scary side of like not everybody has merry christmas memories well, you know and okay so it did that 80s steven spielberg thing that all of his movies that he had his hand in did so well where there's very specific things about the characters there's very specific things about the world that happen it's not just generic small town like the cops right. are trying to get the christmas tree for free and the other guys like hey i paid for mine steve yeah right? like yeah. just all these little things that were in all of those 80s spielberg movies that otherwise yeah. on the surface seemed very like generic hollywood things mm-hmm. it's very norman rockwell yeah. Because it, it looks generic and then you spend, you know, 10 seconds looking at the painting and you're like, oh, holy crap. This character yeah. clearly served in World War II or something like that. You know, you right. get mm-hmm. depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, until the gremlins show up, it's a charming Christmas movie by any standard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the gremlins show up and it just goes off the rails. And it's hilarious. This shit is bonkers. Yeah. It's a bonkers movie still. Oh, God, still is. There's a reason that my 13-year-old son, watching it for the first time, just thought it was... Just up- uproarious. Yeah, loved it. Um, 
So that's it. Yeah. If you haven't watched Gremlins, why did you listen to this podcast? Go watch it first. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh so I think it should go maybe between the Phantom and Terminator <laughs> Three. <laughs> Wait, is Billy the superhero or is the inventor the superhero? Or or is Gizmo Gizmo. the superhero? So when I was a kid, um, we had a cat that we named Gizmo. Like the first cat that we got after moving to Arizona, we named Gizmo. And um, there was another cat. While Gizmo was still around, um, we had another cat that we named Gremlin. So we had Gizmo and Gremlin um, living together. When we were very young, I feel you'd like you'd come home and Gremlin would have Gizmo in the microwave. Like, oh, you <laughs> with a handgun, you know, <laughs> and sunglasses. 100% cats would threaten us with handguns were they able to. Yeah, if they had opposable thumbs and yeah, fully articulating fingers, we'd be yeah, shot we'd be, for our food. Yeah, we'd yeah. be in a lot of trouble. So, yeah, that's it. That closes the book on Gremlins, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening. That means it's time for us to look into next month's monthly movie. Um, we are going back to our yearly, our uh, our, our year uh, method of choosing movies. And for January, our year is 2002. A, a year that does indeed exist. So, um, would anybody like to go first in their nomination? Al? I will. All right. Do yeah. it, Al. I think I'm... Uh, uh, this this year, the movies, I was not happy with the selection until I found Bubba Hotep. Oh, oh that's a good shit. one. That was on my short this list. Movie. That's a good right. one. Uh, good one. Yeah, Mr. Bruce Campbell. Doing Elvis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Yeah, that's that's exciting. All right, well, not just that. Ossie Davis doing JFK. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's the crazy. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Oh. I don't think I've seen this since two thousand and two, or maybe three. Yeah, it's been a long time for me. Like definitely near that time. Yeah. Nice, nice. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. So Al, Bubba Hotep, uh, Brian. Um. Kung Pao, man. Enter the Fist. The year that came out, I read an interview with Bill Murray, and they're like, are there any movies you saw this year that that were good that you'd recommend? He's like, I liked Kung Pao. (laughs) And silence, and then no other answers. It's the only movie he mentioned he liked. No no other movies. (laughs) Just him going, for a minute and a half. He found it endearing. I love that movie as a kid. That's a lot of nuts. I still quote that movie way more than I should. <laughs> My name is Betty. <laughs> I don't believe I've seen this movie. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. Have, if it doesn't yeah. win, you should watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely still watch it anyways. Um, if it wins, you should watch it too. Cause you won't know what yeah. we're talking about. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise it's going to be a weird podcast for you. Al. <laughs> Um, all right. So Bubba Hotep, Kung Pao, uh, Josh, what you bringing? Okay. So at first I was leaning towards a couple of comedies that I absolutely love. Uh, one is Orange County and one is Big Trouble. Mm. But then I decided to get a little weirder and I decided to go with a movie I've never seen even. So I choose Eight-Legged Freaks, the spider oh, movie with David Arquette. I know people that worked on that movie, actually. Awesome. Production set design stuff. 
That's cool. cool. Wow. Yeah, I've never seen it. So uh, that's my nomination. That was actually on my short list. Boom. Nice. Cool. All right. Um, I don't know if I, I feel like I saw it, but I can't remember. Mm. I don't know. Um, all right. It like it freaks, which brings it to me. Um, <laughs> I, oh God. Um, I wasn't really happy with any of them, uh, that were on my list, but, um, in the end I decided to go, um, almost last minute with, uh, adaptation. Oh fuck, mm. man. Wow. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot going on in that. It's going to be a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Adaptation, Nicholas Cage. Um, and Nicholas Cage. Yeah, I almost chose Punk Trunk Love, so oh, that would have yeah. been just as weird. Yeah, that mm-hmm. one. That's another good one. That's a dark fucking movie. That and Rain of Fire were my my short list. Rain of Fire was Rain on of Fire my short list. Awful. Um, rest rest oh. of my short list real fast. I had Minority Report, uh, Eight Mile, Changing Lanes, Equilibrium, Rain of Fire, and Gangs of New York. Oh, Gangs, Gangs of New York. York came out that year. Yeah. Wow, some of those movies are too long to row. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Minority Report was way too long. Yeah. It's a good movie, though, man. I love Philip. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. If I was going to go with one I hadn't seen, it would have been Rollerball. <laughs> yeah. I've actually seen Rollerball. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> but, uh, but like, in a, yeah, but, but in like a crazy early 2000s, like, insane way. Signs. I, I mm. don't like M. Night Shyamalan, but that's the one I like the most. But yeah, that would have been. See, that's funny. That's we'll actually the him. one. That's actually the one where I started falling off. M. Night Shyamalan. That's. That, I thought that was like kind of his first misstep, personally. Mm. Yeah, the first one. It I had liked. its moment. It's one moment. Yes, it did. It's <laughs> it did. one moment. It You're did. right. You're yeah, right. There's one did. jump. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's like a third person removed. Yeah, child happening birthday party, shaky digital video. Yeah, oh, that shit still freaks me out when I think of that. Like walking through the frame. Yeah, I almost chose Goldmember because that's my favorite. uh, Uh, That's the one with Beyonce, right? Uh, Yeah. Oh Oh, God, I love gold. Bong and a blitz. He's Dutch. Yeah, smoking a pancake. Yeah, Mike, Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy, man, just playing every role in their movies. Yeah. Well, they had Michael Caine as his father. And, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So good. Beyonce is his love interest, man. Oof. All right. Anyway. Um, so that's it. Uh, next month, we'll put that up on the, uh, on the Twitters and the Facebooks to uh, let all of y'all vote on that. Uh, Eight-Legged Freaks. Bubba Hotep, Kung Pao, and Adaptation. That's a weird... Those are four weird movies. Um, It's fun that way. Yeah, it is. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for being patrons. We will see you uh, next month. Um, This has been Throw Smiley, and in this holiday season, may you all have your plows serviced only to find them loaded with foreign parts. (laughs) I'm Josh Cece, and I hate Washington's birthday, but nobody says a thing. I'm Brian Lesh, and now I have another reason to hate Christmas. I'm Alaric Weber. Bye-bye, Woof Woof. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks, everybody. Bye. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays.